a Podcast One production. The truth about starting a business, crafting a career, having a family and managing to fit it all in. Superwomen, we ain't. From the founder of Boost Juice, Janine Ellis, and leading executive and career coach, Margie Hartley. There are a million books written about leadership and a million books written about teams. And today we're going to talk about both of those things. And we're going to do it a little bit differently. We're going to talk about who we are. We're going to talk about looking for people and getting the best out of them because it's it's a big ask. And leadership is one of those things that people throw around and, you know, this, are you born with it or are you taught is it and people throw it around. At the end of the day, it's one of the hardest things to actually get going or understand. Why, why do you say that? Well, why, why do you think it's so hard? Well, most entrepreneurs start off not to go, I want to be a leader. They think they want to be a designer or a creator or an inventor of a product. So I didn't think at Boost when I started Boost that – I wanted to be a leader of a team. I thought I wanted to create a great product that people can get more fruit and vegetables into their diet. How amazing would that be? I didn't even think about the team bit. So what you do is you start with a business plan and you're on your own. Then you get so busy, you go, I can't do it on my own. And then you hire someone. Suddenly you're now a leader. Whether you like it or not, buddy, you're a leader. And then you go, oh my God, I have to think about their needs. And they'll come to me and tell me their problems. And all I think about is, can you achieve what you need to achieve? And I'm sorry, I don't really care at the moment because I've got to get these deadlines done. So it's that, and then that emotional connection. So being a leader is actually really difficult and something you have to learn but naturally. Mm. And yes, there's books to help you. And yes, there's podcasts to help you. But I'm hoping today people will get a really good insight through our journeys. I know you're an expert actually in this field and I'm not an expert. I'm a bumbler through it and have become a leader through trial and error. And it'll be really interesting to see the dynamics and the differences through this journey. Because I know we're going to be speaking about leadership. Then we're also going to be talking about what makes a great team. So, yep, all very well. Okay, we're now a leader because we have a team. And then the most important thing is how do you inspire teams? And then obviously we've got another episode talking about culture, which is the lead on to this. So, Margie, you start. You are a person that pretty much helps guide and mentor people on how to be great leaders. What have you found in this space? So number one, know yourself. Work it out as you go along. I love the stories where you say, I just bumbled along. Well, the vulnerability and the strength in saying, I'm going to give it a go, but at the same time, I'm on a learning journey about myself, is the most powerful combination for any leader. There's a bit of a saying that I quite like that says, leaders get up in the morning and think about other people. Uh, the people who pretend to be leaders thinking about themselves. Mm. And if we, if you really unpack that, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. And leadership, even if you don't have 10,000 people following you in a hierarchical organisation, uh, whether you've got two, five, 10 or 20, whatever it might be, whatever they look like, virtual teams, people over there, you're a leader. It's funny you say that, like, I had never led anyone when I first started Boost, you know, so never hired anyone. I was never really a leader. and But my husband, however, was a high corporate 
leader actually in radio and was very powerful. I mean, if you if you speak to anyone that's worked with Jeff, you, they say, oh, he's like a warrior. You know, it's no matter what you do, you got to get it. And it's a war like we go into a war room and we decide what it is and we will rate or die. You know, it was that sort of, you know, you have to do it or, or you know, and people would quiver at him. He was a really strong leader. But I wasn't that person. And I remember him sitting down with me once and I, he said, you need to be this. Let me tell you what you need to be. You need to be strong. You need to be like all the things that he was. And I said, I can't be that. I have to be myself and I have to lead the way that I feel natural. Well, and you're right. What people do is they read a book and go, that is what I have to be as a leader. <laughs> so then they try and be that, but it's not who they are. So interesting, like even at the start, you know, the first person I fired and I didn't want to hurt their feelings. I was conscious I had a mortgage and all this, but they weren't right for the business. Seriously, by the time I sat with that person and said how good they were, how wonderful they were, by the way, you're fired. And, you know, I really think that you're a great person. I don't know if they left thinking they were promoted, where they got, <laughs> fired. I think they were so confused because I wasn't clear in my communication because I was so wishy-washy. So what I actually learned as a leader is to get out of grey. And that was probably one of the first lessons I learned is it's black and it's white. People, as soon as you sit in grey, people love it because then it gives an excuse to blame so the lack of clarity is the grey you're talking about where you can be a bit wishy-washy or you say one thing and do another or is that what you're talking yeah, about, abs- grey? Yeah, absolutely. Like it's like if, you know, if I say I want it delivered by Tuesday, then I want it done by Tuesday. If I say, look, next week sometime would be great, then suddenly that next week goes to the week after. You know, it's people like decision makers. You're better off saying this is the way to go and even if it's over a cliff, at least people will follow you. If you if you say I'm not sure, people are waiting around, they don't you haven't can't make decisions. So decision making in leadership based on the information that you have is leadership. And so many people sort of fuss around and and don't actually make decisions because they're too scared to make a wrong decision. Is that courage? So leadership you need courage. You certainly do, uh, but I, I find this idea of freezing when you become a leader. Lots of people I see say, my goodness, I've got to lead people and they, they freeze up because of the label and then they go and read a lot of books and get really confused. So I really like this idea of that you're talking about being decisive mm. in terms of the way that you are giving people messages, the way you're communicating, what you're telling them is important to them. And in another episode, you talked about being clear about the strategy. Mm. Uh, and that's that's really important. But the interesting thing is that, and this is what I did wrong, and, and you always learn from things you do wrong more than right. I was not a very patient person. And so I'd get into a meeting and I'd go, I know what I want to achieve, and off I'd go, right? I'd just sit down and I'd talk. And because you're the leader, they listen, and then they off, off they go. And that's actually not very good leadership. In actual fact, a great leader is a person who knows that they're actually not the most important nor the most intelligent person in the room and actually listen to people's ideas. So what I learnt by that was, sure, I got out of the meeting quick, but did I leave with the right decision? Did I leave considering their thoughts? And so whenever we have opinions on something, I always go last because it is as soon as I go first, then people go, oh, I better not disagree with Janine or I better not do that. So you're actually not getting the true information. So it's so important that you realise that you are not the most important person in the room. So what are 
um, sort of uh, paradox, really, to think of a leader who owns the business, who's driving the founder there, but you're saying in your mind you have to, your belief is, I'm not the most important person in this room. Also, a great leader creates great leaders. Okay, tell me a bit about that because I'm I agree with you on that, but I'd like to know your view and how you've done that. Right. I always believe people should be constantly every single day doing themselves out of a job. And I say that in the sense that if you hire people that are have the potential to take your role, it enables you to step out of your role and step up. It also enables you to do an extraordinary job because you've got a great team around you to be able to not only hit your goals, exceed your goals, which means you'll be able to step up. But often people can't step up because they've got no one to replace them. And so that succession planning or doing yourself out of a job, in my opinion, makes the best leaders. I believe poor leaders are the ones that have this massive gap in their team And it's all about dictatorship, not teamwork. Fantastic. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I see people who the term is get their heads in the weeds or get their hands dirty in the weeds too often and are not looking up and out at the oncoming storm. So it's this idea of being able to work on your business, in your business and still look at what's coming ahead. We've talked about innovation, which Mm. has been so important. But how can you possibly innovate if you've got your head down there and... And that's why you need great people and to lead great people to enable you to be able to do other things. Let's stop on that. Great Mm. people. Mm. Now, to be a great leader, you actually have to surround yourself with great people. Mm. So it's all very well being, I am this awesome leader, and then you hire mediocrity. And so if you have, there's a, there's a book called Good to Great. I'm sure that it's a great, it's a bestseller. I'm sure most of our listeners have probably read it or heard about it. And it talks about there's no point even starting on your journey without having the right people on the bus to actually get going. The first job of a leader is actually to create a great team. I had an aha moment a few years ago when I was a director of the Hawthorne Football Club. Were was, you? I was. Go oh, the Hawks. No, come on, Swannies. No, we won't go there. And... I remember sitting there in a meeting and Clarko was there talking about his team and he was talking about how he was going to win a grand final and how he was going to do it. And he had on a board uh, the superstars, the A A team, the B team and the C team in the team. And, you know, the superstars are your lieutenants. So you're the leader and you've got your four people behind you and they are the guns. They are the ones that will always kick the ball straight through the goals. Then you have the ones that are fantastic and they're up and coming. They're heading towards the, you know, the, those those superstar teams. The next section of the ones are very, very important. They're the ones that move the ball down the oval really well. And the, they're critical in, to ensure that the engine runs really well. Then you've got the other ones who will either go up or down. And I sat there in that board meeting and I just sat there and went, oh my God, that's just business. This is exactly what and how you should think in business. So when you're thinking about people, get the right team. How have you done that, Janine? So you're building a business. You, you're, you know, you told some stories about sitting with your laptop and being having an office in your house. You know, a hundred stores to roll out, and you've got people. It's all tactical. Do 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 do. How do you inspire and lead people when you are? you know, busy opening things and checking plumbing and 
I think one of the first things is you give people something to believe in. Okay. You, know, you give a, a vision. And I didn't even really think about visions or values or anything. I just had in the early days as a group of four women and that we were all young, we were all new to our fields. You know, there was a young accountant, there was a young lawyer, there was a young girl in HR and we were on a journey and there was nothing we believed we couldn't do. I wasn't the most important person in the room. It was a group of women that we went, we can achieve anything. And really in those early days when you had literally air that we were starting with to create the business we did, it was not just me. It was a group of incredibly passionate people to get there. That's such a lovely story. And I, I've met you um, many, many times and I've heard you say, I just thought how amazing to get more fruit and vegetables into the Australian public. And I just love that as a vision. I wanted to come and work with you as soon as you said that because it was meaningful but real. And when you say you want some people to believe in things to follow you, I think those authentic Um, messages are incredibly important. I really believe a role of a leader is to inspire extraordinary performances from ordinary people. And not that I'm saying those girls were ordinary, God, they were far from it, but they got a platform to be extraordinary. And I didn't say, well, sorry, you've only had one year experience in law. You can't you can't actually know about trademarks or you're not an expert in trademarks. Christy would often come to me and say, Janine, I've got to spend a day in a library. I said, oh, why? She said, well, we've got a trademark litigation coming up. I need to know as much as I can about it. I said, no problems, off you go. And so there was never a barrier of, oh, sorry, I'm not good enough. At no point that did the team that I had ever thought they weren't good enough because we would find the answer, whether it was from the library, whether it was from some of their, their own ex- internal mentors, but we always found a way. I'm on a board for a school and there was a Harvard professor out recently talking at a big conference that I was at and I was really fascinated by his findings, which everyone thought were um, really new but are backed up by everything you've just said for the last 20 years, which is high expectations and high energy gets more results in education than um, anything else. Mm, No, I agree with that. So high expectations and high energy. So that's exactly what you're telling me you had. But it wasn't even learnt. I didn't have time to pick up a book uh, to, to learn it. It was just intuitively. And it was also wrong and right. It's trial and error. Okay. I, you know, have I always hired the right people? Of course I haven't. I, at some point you think, oh my God, I think I'm incapable of picking the right people. And then you find the guns and you think, ha ha, I'm the queen of picking the right people. So it's this constant roller coaster ride of, of people. Can I ask you a question, which I think is something that a lot of people really want to know about. And that is this idea that people, when you pick the wrong people, maybe you've picked two or three in a row and you lose your confidence. Mm. What's what? How do you battle through that? I have learned that it may take 10 people to get the right person. Okay. Right. I remember when we were going through politicians, like at a, at a, at a speed of knots, and people are going, for God's sake, can't we just keep one? And my view was, they're not good enough, change them. Not good enough, change them. So I was going, keep changing until we get a good one. <laughs> so I had a different view. I was like going, no, if they're not performing in their role, and this is a role that affects every single Australian, get someone who will. Now, obviously, the politics and the rubbish that goes behind us is, is appalling. But on the fundamental side of, are they doing their job in leading their team? If the answer is no, then go. 
Amazing. I love it. And I think that's going to give a lot of people out there who are wondering about this and losing confidence about the hiring process um, a little bit of confidence. So really, I love this idea that to be a leader, you need to be yourself. That's number one. And find your style, find your natural style. And as you say, be honest and keep out of the grey. So let's talk about teams now, Janine. What makes a great team? It's the universal question. The first thing I believe you need to do when creating a great team is pick up a mirror and look at yourself first and foremost. Ooh. I know. Picking up the mirror, having a look and actually going, you don't need to be liked. If you're the leader, it's very difficult to want to be liked because if you want to be liked, you will make decisions based on being liked, giving pay rises when not necessary, um, not probably compromising your decision-making, making poor decisions. You always... First and foremost, think about the vision of the business and drive that vision home. And sometimes it's not a popular decision. So that ability to not feel like they have to be liked is the first step in being a great leader. Okay, so you've got five people in your office, you're sitting around, you're feeling all excited about your idea, you've got your belief, you're running at 100 miles an hour. When it's such a tight group of people, like the four of you starting out at Boost Juice, how do you manage this idea of not being friends with or not being liked? But it's it's not a deliberate thing in the sense that I genuinely loved every single one of them, totally. And all of them had were very fond of me from what they told me. <laughs> Hope so. So it's not about the end result of not being liked. It's the leader not having to be liked. And that's the difference, right? Good leaders are very, very liked, but it's the leader who will make the decisions based on the business's needs are the leaders that really are the great leaders, in my opinion. Okay. And, and in actual fact, being liked will probably come from that because you're respected, you have clear decisions, you have a clear goal, and people feel comfortable in that company because they know where they're going, so they like that. So in actual fact, by not wanting to be liked, the results will be you're probably liked. I love it. I love it. People feel safe too, in a safe pair of hands because they're clear and they know where they're going. So this other idea about a team, what makes a good team? I'm really fascinated by what you've developed in terms of your philosophy over the years because you've been doing this for how long now? 18 years. 18 years. So there's a lot of growth, a lot of learning there. I've worked with teams for the last 16 years I facilitate and look after teams in the, mostly the corporate setting to help them be high-performing and really highly engaged. I think for me, the one of the biggest mistakes people make when hiring teams, particularly in the early years, is they hire themselves. And it's the worst thing you can do. In actual fact, you're better off sitting down and going, what am I really crap at? Because the reality is we're not all good at things right? You know, people are either stronger in numbers, they're stronger in words. So find out where your weaknesses are and try and hire those. So you really need a really great balance of the analytical. Now, if you are an analytical and you hire an analytical, what you'll find is you'll get analysis paralysis. You will analyze yourself all up the woohoo to a point which I know, (laughs) to a point where you actually don't ever do anything because there's always more research to do. Then you've got the balance of the leader. 
So the leader is a person that ultimately goes, right, here are we going? Well, this is our, our journey. And that's okay to be an analytical leader, but you need to have those drivers around you as well. So that's really about being goal focused and very, um, really knowing where true north is. Is that what you're describing? Absolutely. Yeah. Then you have the amiable. It's the peacekeeper. It's the, the hard worker. They just get on with it. They don't get caught up in the bull. They just are those really solid, solid people that just get shit done. And then you really need the social, the creative, the the one that actually can think outside the square. So it's ensuring that you have those different personality styles in your square or in your board or in your gang to really get the best out of the objective you want to achieve. And then we come back to what we were talking about before, where the leader is able to bring those people together, give a really clear vision, understand what they want, and then let people actually thrive with their own strengths. Because I'm a massive believer in leveraging each individual's member's strengths in a team and learning about them. So often the teams that I come across have not got together outside the functional or the tactical in a whole year. And then they come together and sit in a room with me. It's like, so how are we going to leverage each other's strengths? And they go, we don't even know what they are. So I love the way that you've described that. The key thing people need to understand is they need to keep to their strengths. So tell me, so you're not allowed to sway outside the... Look, you can have an opinion, but ultimately if I'm in a team of, you know, the, the social, the leader, the analyticals, the amiables, and you are coming up with a creative decision-making process, you know, what is the colour, what's the style, what's the, you know, what is the creative side of it, then it's not the analytical that should come in and go, you know, I like blue or I like green because everyone wants, everyone has an opinion. But mm. you need to give the person who is the strength in that area kind of the final say in some respects. So it's really important that everyone understands where they are. I mean, I know in my business, you know, we might have some really senior people in the business, but the person that I actually want to hear from is the girl in social who's actually speaking to the customer all the time. And she will be the one that actually dictates my decision-making process, not the CEO of the business. It's the right, you have to recognise the right people to make the right decision for your business. So I'm also hearing that you're not hierarchical. So your businesses, I mean, you'd have people working for each other. However, it sounds like everyone has a voice and everyone can speak up in your business. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. Ultimately, someone has to make a decision. If everyone's sitting there and going, we're just speaking around in riddles and we actually still are just talking. Someone at some point goes, right, guys, this is what we're doing. And thank you for all your input. Right, that's what we're doing at what day. Or Jack, what do you reckon? Okay, you reckon that? Fine, that's what we're doing. So it's it's important that you listen, but someone at some point goes, we're going this way. So with teams I work with, we make the rules. So I'm really clear that you cannot be a successful team unless you have agreed the way, what work you're going to do and how you're going to do it together. So uh, understanding what might be called the norms or the expectations or the rules. So this is how we roll. Have you done that with your team? Yeah, look, you do. You, you, I don't know if I've ever sat down and said, here are the rules. Like I've in the sense that... Or did you come up with them together? So how decisions are made, how we treat each other. In the early days, that wasn't really a sitting down and going, this is how we're going to treat each other because everyone treated themselves with respect. 
So quite often you have those conversations when it's not working that way. So it was never an issue because I hired the right people. I hired people who were, were, you know, nice, powerful, focused, driven women. So it wasn't actually a situation where we had to actually sit down and go, right, how are we going to treat ourselves? Because it would be ridiculous for us to treat each other other than anything but well and respectful. So it's, um, so, but there is times when as a team gets bigger, you need to have those conversations because there is different personalities in the group and, and what someone thinks is inappropriate, someone thinks is funny, someone thinks that, you know, they're being kind is someone thinks that they're being soft. So it's important that you, uh, you communicate clearly how you want the team to run. Like for me, you know, it was really important that if I said it delivered on Tuesday at three o'clock, I don't want it at 3.05. I don't want it at 3.15. I want it at three o'clock. I'm okay if it comes at 3.30, as long as they tell me in advance. So I've made it very clear how I wanted people to work with me. And if they couldn't work with me like that, then it was a very difficult process for me. So high expectations and high energy and delivering for accountability. Yeah. I really, I mean, all of this is lining up to the textbooks, but it's really interesting how you've lived it along the line. Did tell me about a mistake that you made with a team. Can, is anything come to mind where there was a big light bulb moment because something didn't go right? Oh, look, every day something didn't go right. It was, it was normally on the wrong person in the team. And what you found was as soon as you took that apple out of the barrel, suddenly the, the team was great. And it was like a, a lightness that came out. I mean, there's never a time, you know, people will be listening to this and going, I agree with this. There was never a time that, you, that you're not sure of someone in the business and then you could become really unsure about the business that you ever wish you kept them longer. You know, rip the Band-Aid off. You need to rip the Band-Aid off because mm-hmm. the damage it does, it actually the wrong people in your business can can do a lot of damage for three or four months and it actually takes you a year to repair it. Mm-hmm. Like the black hole of de-energizers that you get in an, a business and then they seem to expand. Do you know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of the Harry Potter series and the Dementors that actually come in as a dark cloud and suck the happiness out of you. That is such a great mental model. I love it. Okay, so we're really clear we don't want these Dementors, is that what they're called? No, no dementors. No dementors allowed. We need a really diverse combination of people with different strengths and then we make up a team by people who aren't exactly like us. So how do we get the best out of a team? What are we going to do? Let's go through some really practical tips, Janine. You've got some, I've got some. All I know is teams need to get together regularly. How can you work together if you don't actually understand each other or have the quality conversations that you need to have? Can I touch base on that? I deal with 300 small businesses in my business and the number one thing that they get wrong is actually communicating to their team. The first thing I ask them is, so, okay, when did you catch up with your team last? So, so what is your communication strategy? What are you looking at? How are you talking to them? And they say, oh, I haven't caught up with that team at all. And I go, well, there is fundamentally your problem because if you're not communicating with your team, how the hell do they know where to go? Fantastic. My um, friend, uh, Professor Tony Grant, says the quality of your conversation actually determines the quality of your relationship and the quality of your relationship will determine the quality of your business. So 
I really believe that that's exactly true. So this idea of communication for connection, Mm. but also for great clarity. And you'll hear me talk about these two things all the time. There's a balance between connecting with each other and getting clarity on the work we're doing. Can I just touch base on that as well? Is um, One of the things I've found in my journey is that if you are not a good communicator, people will make it up and it'll always be worse than what the reality is. So what do you mean by that? Okay, so if you're saying, if you're actually saying in your workforce that you want to actually achieve a goal, right, or that that they think that there's something might be not quite right in the business or, or whatever that might be. If you're not communicating to them, they'll think that it's the worst case. It's a bit like it's a bit like your own children, you know, and they're out at night. They might be at a friend's house, but you'll always think that they're, you know, at a pub. You know, so you'll always think the worst. So communicating gives people also a sense of comfort because they know what's going on. They don't have to second guess. And people second guess all the time. So that's this honesty in communication too. It's not the spin. It's being really clear about what we're doing because I know people will follow uh, on a really rough ride and a rough journey often in a business if they do know um, where they're going and what the true north is. So that ambition is another piece that I'm really passionate on and teams all agreeing what the common goal is. So we don't know that. Um, You can go off and do all sorts of things, be very busy and not achieve what you need to achieve. Also give them the good and the bad. You know, people always believe you if there's an honesty about you. So if you're telling them it's all good, people know it's not always all good. They need to know the truth. And so if you continue to tell them the truth, then you're starting to build a level of trust. And that will come into effect, you know, when things are actually really tough. Mm, I, I, You've talked about a couple of other things that I really am very passionate for when you get the best out of your team. Because we come to work and to get the best out of your team is, I cannot overemphasize this enough, absolutely critical to the success of your business. So um, there's an old study that says that the more people who get involved in any given task, the less effort they'll put in. Right, So there's this idea that it's actually against human nature once we're in teams to work harder, we tend to let it down a bit. So to get the best out of teams is actually really a tough ask. And leaders have to be constantly communicating, really actually clarifying what it is we're doing, why we're doing it, making decisions, but also getting them to own the decisions. You've got to get the right people because in actual fact, one-on-one can equal a hundred or one and one can equal negative in the sense that if you get the wrong one and one or the wrong team together, then it's completely dysfunctional. So you actually have to get, if you get the right people going forward, you you are unstoppable. Mm. But it's insu- but that's where people get it wrong is they go, well, we're, we've got a team, we're great, we're all very different. But if there's one missing link or there's one bad egg in it, it's completely dysfunctional. And I've often seen leaders who are saying one thing and preaching one thing and then um, doing something different. So the saying-doing gap. I'm saying uh, this is where we're going and how you should behave and what we're going to do, but it's different for me and I'm going to go off and do this. And then all of a sudden you'll find no discretionary effort, the team not aligned and nobody coming on that journey. And that's when at businesses... The, the discretionary effort is when the business will fall over if it's not um, picked up. The other point, which I think is really important, which I think as leaders we do we do it a lot and it's wrong and we don't mean to be wrong, we're doing it for the right reasons and it's when we set people up to fail. 
What do you mean by setting someone up to fail? Because I, I couldn't imagine anyone would really do that. No, what happens is you don't mean to, but what happens is you're in a business, you're growing really quickly, and someone's really good at what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And you go, Julie, you're great. You're fantastic. I'm going to promote you. And Julie, who wants to not not let you down and do the right thing, says, yes, I'm up for it. Let me do it. And so you give her that opportunity, but she's not ready. I didn't give her the skills. I didn't give her the time. I didn't give her the experience for her to take on that role. So in some respects, I've, I've inadvertently taken a great person and, and not done the right thing by them by actually promoting them too early. So be really aware of what their skill sets are. And again, the piece that sits around there in the theory and in organisations is about development. So someone can be talented, but if we're not developing them or allowing them to have, whether it's an executive coach or some development of presentation skills or negotiation, could be anything, could be a leadership program, personal reflection program, all of those pieces help people become better at their jobs. You're and right. One of the things Jeff Harris, who was a co-founder at Flight Centre, used to tell me is you should always have a young gun team or a young gun program. He actually called it Young Turk, which basically is recognise your great people in your business. Like, who are they? And put them on programs. Where are their skill gaps? Where can I make them the best they can possibly be? First and foremost, they won't leave you because they've got a development program. Secondly, they'll love the fact that they know they've been recognised for the great work they're doing. So that young gun program is really important that you should be focusing on and thinking about it. Find out who your great people are. You know, this thing about everyone is the same, they're not. There's some people that will be better in certain things in your business and recognise it. There's a guy called Dan Pink who wrote a book called Drive and there's a video that everyone can have a little look at and he talks about the three things that motivate people at work. And it's purpose. So what are we doing here? Um, we're making juice to make people healthy. Uh, what are we, um, what's the mastery? What am I getting better at? Well, you know, this idea of I'm, I'm going to master something that I'm doing at work, building a franchise, you know, running a business. And then this idea of autonomy, being told what I need to do, but actually being left to do it myself. So those three things incredibly powerful when we think about getting the best out of the team, along with those other great tips that we've offered up. I love this episode. It's all about team. It's all about leadership. And please, everybody, pay attention. Don't get distracted. You have to do this to really be successful. Superwomen We Ain't is a Podcast One production recorded in the studios of Podcast One Melbourne. Executive producer is Grant Tothill, produced by Brooke Carrigan, audio by Darcy Thompson. Listener.